Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family owned and operated, a no pressure, laid back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable, also a two-time Dan Lemitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. Razorback Nation, welcome in to episode number 177 of the one and only Hog Talk podcast live from the Heinemann Services Studios. I am Kyle Sutherland, your host, alongside Kevin Bohannon. We thank you, as always, for joining us. If you are a first-time listener, make sure you hit that subscribe button. That way you don't ever miss an episode when we release it. And also, if you could also be so kind to leave us some star power, preferably a five-star and a written review, helps us get our name out there and reach more people. Guys, after all this time 25 years a quarter century so many different heartbreaks within the ncaa tournament and four coaching changes we have finally made it back to the sweet 16 now as we're recording we will not know who our our opponent is it's either going to be florida or oral roberts which that one's very shocking too that we're not talking about ohio state we'll get into that but kevin here we are. I hardly remember the last time that we were in the Sweet 16. I know that you remember it very well, but damn, it feels good to finally be there again. Kyle, how sweet it is, brother. And it's, you know, watching the game, it was it was emotional. I, and my wife's looking at me. I'm pacing around. You know, she's like, oh, here comes Baby Hulk about to emerge. And it was just a lot of emotions going through that game because you had that nostalgic feeling of, the early mid nineties of us being in the thick of things and, you know, tip of the hat to Texas tech. They were down 56, 43, made a 14, two run there at the end to make it a really close game. They had a shot to tie it up. Justin Smith, another phenomenal game, 20.6 rebounds. And it was a total team effort. Really proud of Devo Davis. He came out on fire, made some really big shots. Uh, But yeah, Chris Beard's team, really tough athletic, They just weren't deep enough tonight. Yeah, Chris Beard can't say enough about him. I have followed him heavily since he came in to be the head coach at Little Rock and followed that entire season really closely to when they beat Purdue in the first round in the round of 64 and then fell to Iowa State in the round of 32. But like you said, just weren't deep enough, and we knew that they were going to try and attack us. That's what they try to do is they're that type of team that they're going to play good defense and they're going to try and sit back and they're going to wait until they can pounce on you. But for the most part, Arkansas did exactly what they were supposed to do. You talked about Devo Davis right there in the first half when they were starting to get on that, when Texas Tech was getting on that run. Devo saved that ball from going right out of bounds, throws it right over to JT on the right wing there, or on the right corner. He hits the three. They go back down for a defensive drive, and then JD comes back and hits another three. He only had seven points, but those were his two those those two buckets that he did have, minus the one free throw, were two of the biggest of the game because it kept Texas Tech from going on that run that they did get on. And Kevin, we'll we'll put this into perspective a little bit here. I know when 
something happens for the first time in a long time. We talked about things that were going on at that particular moment. And the top song in 1996, the last time that Arkansas made the Sweet 16, Celine Dion's Because You Loved Me in the top movie was The Birdcage, which I believe The Birdcage has Gene Hackman and Robin Williams. Robin another, Williams, yeah. that's right. Hey, yep. it's, it, that was one of the Robin Williams movies that I think I've only seen once, maybe over 20 years ago, but I know it was a pretty big hit. But I, I'm kind of scared to say or even think about what gas prices were at that time compared to where they are now. But I don't really care about much right now because as we are recording, this is about 10 minutes after the game, and I, I'm as excited as I've ever – I don't remember being this excited, at least as an adult. Obviously, I'm, I haven't been from a basketball standpoint because we've never made it this far. But I think about the heartbreak the last time that we were this close. I had just moved to San Antonio, and I came back for my best friend's wedding, and I was driving back. And that was the game that we had lost to North Carolina in the second round. I remember listening to John Thompson, God rest his soul, and I can't remember who the other one was on Sirius. Uh, as I bought the, I actually bought Sirius for my rental car as I was coming back because I knew that I was going to listen to the game. And you think about the heartbreak with how close they were to getting there and to actually get there now. Uh, the way that they did, right there at the final seconds, you were wondering if maybe Tech would come down and hit a three or at least get – get a basket to take this thing to possibly overtime. We didn't want that, but we're moving forward. And I know that I know that all of Razorback Nation probably right now is just speechless and they just want to cheer and cheer and cheer. But we've still got a lot of work to do. But man, we got a couple of days, really almost a week to celebrate this. Yeah, and when you talk about, you know, the number one song and number one movie, this a whole generation does has not seen the Razorbacks in the Sweet Sixteen or past the round of thirty two. So take that in and just just let that sit. I, I was in the tenth grade um, at El Dorado <laughs> the last time the Hogs made a run, and of course they were led by Pat Bradley in '96. Uh, Kareem Reed was on that team, so it was it was a good team. But yeah, you know, credit to Coach Musselman. A lot of my friends texted me after the game. They were like, Musselman never called a timeout, and he took two home with him. And I was like, that's that's what he does. He, he lets the guys play out there. I was a little shocked there at the end of the game that Mac McClung didn't get a shot at it. I was too. Um, I, th- I thought they would drive, penetrate, and kick uh, maybe you know out on the corner out there because they'd had some success. Uh, but no, they, they went right to the bucket. Justin Smith, kudos to him. And yeah, just a great all-around game. Uh, tip of the hat, Jalen Williams, who it's his second game back after that long layoff. He missed the SEC tournament. 10 rebounds. That was huge. He only had two points. And you talk about Texas Tech not being that deep. Desi Seals played three minutes off the bench, and Notay played 23 off the bench. That was the only bench points or bench time that we had today. So the, the starters took it all the way, and they did a great job. Yeah, I was really shocked that Connor – I knew that this was not his kind of game, but I was very shocked that, that Connor didn't get any kind of minutes. But – they played exactly what we thought or what they did needed for their game. And that's really what it boils down to is, you know, sometimes you just you, – you would hope that at some point that Connor could get – if they are able to do some things in the Sweet 16, if they are able to do some things in the Elite Eight, which I really do believe. I'm still not going to say that they're going to get past the Elite Eight because it's probably going to be Baylor. So I'm not 
quite ready to say that I, I think that they can get to the Final Four. I, I think that they can get there. Uh, they definitely are playing like that. But I just, man, it's really tough to say right now that they can get over that hump and beat a team like Baylor with all of the depth that they have. But nonetheless, like you said, I've got to apologize to Jalen Williams. I, I said that I, that he probably wasn't going to be in the, in the type of game shape that you needed him to be, but he stepped up. Even though he really wasn't out for that long, I really was not positive that he could play that fully. He, he averages anywhere from 15 to 18 minutes a game, as I've said. I think I mentioned that last week. And so I, I would figure that he would probably get close to around that if he was able to. I questioned whether he would be able to get that, and he did. And he played it very effectively. Like you said, he didn't. he's not going to score a whole lot typically, but what he does with the rebounds, with the blocks, not even with the blocks always, just like I was saying with Ethan yeah. Henderson, just causing some sort of disruption down there. And so, uh, man, and, and Jalen Tate, he did what he always does, getting in in their ear. I know that he he wasn't really on Mac much of the. It was mostly Devo that did a great job on both ends of the floor. That little turnaround jump shot that Devo has, I love it. And I know that uh, in the last game he threw. I think it was to either JD or Moses against Colgate. He basically did like a uh, shotgun play. Yeah, so it was to JD. Leg, yeah, to JD. And so there's just so many things that Devo can do. He's just a, he's a variety player that can just do so many different things for you. And uh yeah, man, they were all we were all scoring pretty well today. Didn't shoot that well from three overall, but they they hit those shots when it mattered. And so guys or go ahead. Did you have something else? Yeah, I was just gonna say, you know, early in the game, Texas Tech set the tempo and the tone and they were getting a lot of offensive rebounds. And they I think they had thirteen and we had nine overall. And the discrepancy wasn't that big on the on the boards it was 38 36 in favor of texas tech i thought we would be much better down low but the way texas tech had their defense set up was they're not going to let anybody in the paint uh, you know they don't have anybody over six foot seven on the four but they weren't going to let you in the paint drive to the bucket that they wanted you to take those 12 15 20 foot jump shots and if you're jd note 25 foot shot so uh, yeah, it, the guys played great. Jalen Tate, he played really well with four fouls down the stretch. That's one thing that that, that was kind of nerve-wracking right there. And his fifth foul was a phantom foul, according to Charles Barkley. It, it never got called there at the end. So uh, the one thing I wanted to see more of, and I hope we see more of in the Sweet 16, is Moses Moody. He needs to create himself opportunities to get shots off the ball. He wasn't moving very well off the ball tonight, and hopefully – moment which rude of the rest of the staff they noticed that and they'll get that fixed before next weekend and speaking of fixed uh, i don't really think that you're going to be able the razorback uh, fans right now don't really care about their brackets i can imagine but i know just like myself <laughs> that uh, yours is busted up i think illinois and ohio state really hurt a lot of people you can blame a lot on the big 10 but nonetheless even though that the the deadlines for brackets being filled out has already passed since we're through the first weekend you can still get involved with some of you put placing your bets through our friends at bet online of course the march madness is in swing nba nhl bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports as they have you covered for all the news and scores plus you can get involved virtually through the online casino that never closes so head to betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and sign up today to receive your 50 percent work Welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Cabo, back to the the bracket busters there. 
one of the things that we had talked about was is really could Arkansas get past Ohio State. We felt pretty good. I, I think both of us were on the same page in that most years Texas Tech is going to have a better team than you than you do. They had a good roster this year. It just wasn't typically what it – I think that they really just lost a lot of those guys. Jarrett Culver, I think Matt Moody was one of their guards' names from that championship team or the runner-up championship team that they had. They did lose a lot it, starting last year and even really didn't have a ton coming back for this year. The addition of Matt Mac McClung really helped out a lot. But the big question was is once they got to the Sweet 16, would they be able to get past the length of Ohio State? And here we are right now, and they're going to either play Florida or Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts, a team that they have already beaten this year, which shouts to Abilene Christian, Oral Roberts, and North Texas, three teams that were supposed to be weak opponents or at least part of a weak non-conference schedule that Anthony Ruta put together, and they each got a win in the round of 64. Amazing on that. And then by the time that this drops, or well, I guess it'll be uh, – the, the, not all the games will be played from the, the first weekend, but nonetheless, Anthony Ruda and that coaching staff just did a phenomenal job putting this together. And, uh, man, you know, we're either going to be playing Oral Roberts or Florida. Again, both teams that we have beaten already. Yeah, and Oral Roberts had us down 10 points at the half, if, if Frederick fans will remember, and that was, that was a tough one. Of course, Florida, we, we've never really had much success with over the past few years. Uh, so yeah, you talk about brackets being busted. I, I was fortunate enough to pick, I think I'm fourth out of 24 team or 24 guys in, in one of my brackets. So that's going pretty good for me. I had Ohio getting pretty far and when, uh, Winthrop got beat, uh, by Villanova, but yeah, I hated that Missouri loss. Uh, if you look up and down Oregon, we did have a, a COVID casualty. VCU did not get to play. Oregon got to go to the next round for free. And if you look up and down, it's gone pretty well. UCLA, UCLA was another one that in, UCLA coming in as an 11 seed. Of course, they beat Michigan State in the round, in the first four, and then they got past the, a weak BYU team. That, that's probably the weakest six seed I've ever seen, Kyle. To be honest with you, but yeah, kudos to Abilene Christian, man. Uh, Craig Perry, the uh, former baseball coach for the University of Arkansas, is down there as a hitting coach, and I sent him a text over. They just got through wrapping up a, a series this weekend. I said, hey, uh, pass along congratulations from the great state of Arkansas. He hit me back real quick. So, yeah, it, anything can happen in March, man. Syracuse taking care of West Virginia today. That bracket, if the Midwest, we talked about last, what, last Monday on the show that the Midwest bracket was going to be chaos. And right now it is. You have Loyola Chicago taking care of Illinois. They're going to play Oklahoma State, hopefully. And then I still got my final four alive with Oklahoma State coming out of the Midwest. And then Alabama's playing really well right now as well for that bottom half of the 32. Yeah, the Midwest is destroyed for me. The Illini really hurt me there. I actually had Tennessee winning. I know a lot of people had that. I do have Oklahoma State. And then I also had San Diego State. Now, Syracuse helped me in another. And so I'm in a couple of different brackets i've got three that i filled out and so are three of the the uh tournament sheets that i turned that i filled out so but the midwest is looking really brutal the east what really killed me kevin is uh the is georgetown i really bought into that hype i know that they really weren't <laughs> that great of a team but they were they were really hot what do we say all the time or at least what is yeah. the, the stigma that not always the best team wins. It's usually the hottest team. And I really thought that they were one of the hotter teams, and they were coming into the tournament. But 
Oh man, I, I was not expecting that those, those three balls to come dropping. What was it? Four and one half. Jabari Walker ended up with five out of five. He was four of four. They shot sixty four percent from three, winning ninety six to seventy three. It honestly should have been worse than that. I think they kind of took their foot off the brakes. They being Colorado there in the second half, or at least that's what it seemed. But it was just awful all the way around. Abilene Christian, I'll go back to them beating Texas. Now it's always great seeing Texas go down. I swear that it doesn't matter if a Texas student fails a test. If it gets on Twitter and an Arkansas fan gets a hold of it, they're going to dog Texas in any way that they can. And it is this Paul Heipler, I think is how you pronounce his name. He became an internet sensation overnight going viral for his horns down. Now this guy has attempted to sit. This is what makes it even better. He's attempted 16 shots all year, scored 13 total <laughs> points. But what's even greater story there was Joe Pleasant, 54% free throw shooter on the year, hits two to win the game when it matters most. So you get one there. Ice in his veins, yeah. yeah. With, with Joe Pleasant, it's like a really good feel-good story. And then you've got Paul Heipler that's just like, man, that makes it even that much better. The guy that is the main bench warmer, probably the biggest End of the bench, yep. yeah. And and that's the thing, too, is he's probably also one of those guys that has earned his spot to talk a little smack just because, hey, you know, he might not contribute minutes during a game, but he's probably that guy in practice that goes full speed and is doing whatever he can to do his part, uh, whether it be on the scout team or being first in sprints. It doesn't matter what it is, you know, in the, in the line drills or whatever the case may be. And then you can't forget Loyola Chicago. I know that everybody's going to talk about Sister Jean, which, hey, that's a great story. I posted on my Facebook page, here she is traveling at 101 years old, and I'm so I'm 70 years younger than that at 31, and it hurts me for about a week after I swing a golf club. So that is great to see her be able to do that. Whenever she came to San Antonio in 2018 when I was there, she was a big hit there when they were made the Final Four. And so, man, I'll tell you what, I'll be shocked if, if Porter Moser makes it. If they are able to keep him, I know that they kept him the last time around. Uh, the next year after they went to the Final Four was when – Mike Anderson, of course, ended up getting hired at St. John's. I know Porter Moser was in that in that conversation to possibly get hired there, but I'm not saying that he's necessarily going to go to Indiana or he's going to go here or he's going to go there, but you got to think about that possibly either Minnesota or Indiana is going to be the destination for Porter Moser. I just don't see Loyola Chicago being able to keep on to him again this year. Yeah, somebody's going to have to take a chance on him. He, he was at UALR, went to Indiana State, I believe, and has found a home at Loyola Chicago and that they are kind of a, a cult following with a lot of people with sister Jean in her letter jacket. I think somebody posted on social media earlier. Can, can Arkansas find a 101 year old fan that can travel with them? That seems to be the, the magic ticket right there. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a really feel good story. It's, you look at somebody like Porter Moser because he, he got let go at UAL, well, he left UALR and then got fired from his next job. So for him to come back and do some big things there, the Ramblers are definitely on a roll right now. They may, they put it to Illinois. Illinois scored under 60 points for the first time this year. So yeah, kudos to the Ramblers as, as they make the Sweet 16 for the second time in three tournaments. And I, something I forgot to mention from the Razorback game, we talked about Devo Davis, and we mentioned Jalen Williams and what he was able to do, but Justin Smith, you got to bring him up. Oh, yeah. And after a double-double 
the last game against Colgate. Comes out for 20 points, six rebounds. Also had a couple of assists. He was 9 of 11 shooting. We talked about it all year long, about how big of an impact that this guy has made. Indiana fans, if you look at Twitter, they still typically don't. And look, I can kind of understand where they're coming from. I think with what he, – he didn't not do well for them, but he hasn't had the kind of production for us that he had for them. And a lot of that, too, is just because you need a change of scenery. We've seen players leave Arkansas, particularly the the most recent that you would see would be some of the Chad Morris players that transferred yeah. out and had success. We've we've had that with basketball as well, but sometimes you just need a change of scenery, and that's exactly what Justin Smith got, and he fell into something really good with what Coach Musselman was able to do. J.D. Note, there's multiple guys. Jalen Tate, there was a lot of talk in January when things were going really bad that Musselman just tries to take the easy way out and he tries to get these grad transfers that wanted that were good players on average teams, which, I mean, some of their teams were pretty good. Jalen Tate, I know, had a really good team at Northern Kentucky, just to name one. Now, look, guys like Gene Tosilla didn't work out. Vance Jackson didn't work out. But I think if you consider the guys in the past two years, when you look at Jimmy Witt, when you look at Justin Smith, when you look at Jalen Tate, when you look at J.D. Note, there's four guys right there off the bat that really pop off to you that have played some incredible minutes and made some incredible contributions. And it's a big reason why the Razorbacks are in the position that they're in right now. No doubt. And, you know, shout out to our boy, Gabe Osaboyan from West Virginia. Uh, he had a really good run there for, for Huggy Bear. But, yeah, uh, I couldn't have been happier for, for Justin Smith. Uh, I, I go on Tally's site. If you get a chance, go on there. You get to see some picks uh, by some industry insiders. And uh, I had the final score being 71-67. And the other day I was within a couple of points as well, but had the Hogs cover. And that's not just my fan hat. That's taking a look. And I really thought this was going to be a tough game, and it was. But Justin Smith stepping up for the second time in a row and having a 20-plus point game. Uh, He was really big down low, altering shots. It's like we talked about. doesn't necessarily have to be blocks, like with Jalen Williams and Ethan Henderson in the past. But he did a really good job down low. He took advantage. The alley-oop from Tate to Smith was uh, – it, it shook the rim and shook the arena at the time at Hinkle Fieldhouse. So, yeah, uh, really big getting those guys in. And if you look at the starting lineup the way it is right now, Musselman's going to have to do it again next year. You know, you got a really good class coming in to where you can plug some pieces in. But it's going to be, you know, w- without – you know, you're going to have Devo Davis, Jalen Williams – and, and then he's going to plug the other pieces in. So we're going to start over not as much as we did this year with a pretty much whole roster flip, but it's going to be a new class coming in and it's going to be even better because those guys have bought in and they can transfer that energy onto the newcomers. Yeah. And you look at the recruiting class coming in for 2021 on paper, it just is not incredible. It doesn't jump off the sheet to you. But you've got two quality players in Nicole Moyne and Chance Moore, and you know that Muss is going to bring in a transfer, a grad transfer too. And one thing that I wanted to kill, we're about to hit a break here in a second, but I've noticed a lot, it's that time of year when you're starting to see guys, more and more guys hit the transfer portal, and you always see on Twitter, whenever so-and-so hits the portal, they've been contacted by this school and that school, and Arkansas is always in there. Now, guys, just because Eric Musselman contacts a player does not even necessarily mean that he's fully interested as you've heard him say on radio interviews and podcast interviews he always tries to whether it's contacting them to come to arkansas or not that's not always the case now sometimes he's just trying to see if there should be interest there 
you know that some coaches and some recruiters, they get vibes of whether they're going to pursue a player sometimes based off of their attitudes. We heard Coach Bielema yeah. talk about that a lot. You've heard various coaches talk about it in whatever sport. And then we also had Michael Musselman on this past summer, the director of recruiting, of course, Coach Muss's son. And he had even told us that if somebody hits the grad transfer portal and they, one of them, Ruda or uh, Pat Ackerman, Michael Musselman, whoever it is, if they do not get to it before Eric does, then it is not good for them. So that is just a, a policy that they have within their program. They're constantly checking it. Not always necessarily. So don't don't think that because a Division two player or a player from an FCS school that might not be that good, if they enter the portal, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be going after them. It's just they're being contacted. I just I see that a lot, so I figured I would address it. But nonetheless, I do feel very confident in what Eric Musselman can do in the portal. He's proven that at Arkansas. He proved it at Nevada. I know that there was some questions, like I mentioned back in January, but. Either way, I think that he is building, he's proving it, that he's building a solid foundation. Here he is, year two. He's taken us to a point that we haven't been to in 26 years. So up next, we got uh, some baseball talk. The Razorbacks got back to their winning ways after a three-game skid. They had a really ugly game in game one against Alabama, but were able to come back and win the series. We'll talk about that when we come back. And, of course, the Hoghouse Non-Performer of the Week. You are listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Networks. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for through our friends at eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go for the pair you have been eyeing. eBay's authenticity guarantees your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators that verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. The guarantee also protects sellers with a verified return process. Selling fees have even been eliminated on sneakers $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. With American National, you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com, call us at 501-428-0877, or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479 479- Three six eight six four nine zero. Again, that's four seven nine three six eight six four nine zero. The Hawk Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. 
Hey, it's Ty Richardson. I'm so excited to be rejoining Halftime this Monday, March 22nd, from 11 to 1, live at JJ's Grill on Dixon. We'll talk Arkansas basketball, Arkansas baseball, Arkansas football, and the second round of the NCAA tournament will be going on. Phil Elson, Matt Travis, SmackDown, and me, Ty Richardson. Take the Monday off. You're going to be recovering from this weekend anyway. Do your mouth a favor and come see us live at JJ's Grill on Dixon from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. We're back on episode number 177 of the Hog Talk podcast. Kyle Sutherland and Coach Kevin Bohannon here with you. Kevin, we got back to on track this past weekend on Saturday and Sunday. Very, very ugly showing in the opening game for SEC play as the Razorbacks fall to Alabama 16-1. to Then they get it going 9-1 to Saturday and then close it out to win the series 3-1 to Sunday. Now, I know that every single week we've kind of judged on the, where the pitching is at it's looking like that Van Horn really likes what he has with with Peyton Paulette there on Friday. He did not have a really good showing. Actually, he had a really bad showing like all the pitchers did on Friday night. Zeb comes in on Saturday, pitches his second straight eight-inning game, did incredible there. Lyle Leichhardt, after a tough outing last week against Louisiana Tech, comes out and pitches a great one on Sunday. And so where do you see where the, after one series of SEC play, losing to OU in the, the midweek matchup there, where do you see that they're at right now for, as far as pitching goes? Expected them to be, and it, it's a team where you're seeing some. And Bubba Carpenter talked about on our show Monday about pitch ability. It's not just the stuff, but do you have the mound presence, the ability to throw strikes and battle when things aren't going your way? I knew early on Peyton Paulette didn't have it. He was pulling everything to his glove side. Even the first inning was kind of rocky, and then the second inning was just Hiroshima. When they scored 10 runs, sent 15 guys to the plate, him and Blake Adams, they, they just didn't have it. You know, there, There's some nights where you go out there and you just don't have it. Unfortunately, he ran into that at the wrong time against the Alabama team that was playing pretty well. But you look at that three-game skid. You had Louisiana Tech, who pitched really well, Jarrett Wharf, and then Oklahoma hit the ball really well. We had one bad inning. And then we had a really bad inning against Alabama. So two bad innings out of that whole three-game set did us in for two games. So they're playing really well. Jackson Wiggins had the first hit he's given up all year. Sam Prater, the fourth-year catcher from Alabama, hit a home run in the top of the ninth. But he came back, got two strikeouts. I believe he hit, he hit 101 on the gun a couple of times at Baumwalker Stadium. Kevin Cox has been – he's been the man. He had that one bad outing, but he's leading the team with 4-0 right now with a 1.38 ERA. He's just been nails. He's only given up two runs on the year with 22 strikeouts and 13 innings. His cutter's working. His all-speed, he's able to locate his fastball, keep the ball down. And that was the big thing we said about Kevin Cops was if he can keep the ball down and not hang the cutter, the slider, the curve, he's going to be really effective. So – like Bubba said on Monday, we need some other guys to start stepping up. Uh, Wicklander, he's proven that he can be pretty good, even though he had some rocky outings. He's still got a 2.51 ERA. Uh, Cole Ramage, he's not doing really well. Uh, I could see him falling down. Zach Morris came in after Zeb yesterday. But, yeah, kudos to Zeb again for that eight-inning performance. He's pitching to contact a lot, so that shows you that he's in command of every pitch. It's not just control. 
he's throwing strikes, but he is commanding the fastball in all four quadrants, up, down, in, and out. So kudos to him. Really excited about his progress that he's made since he got demoted to the bullpen. So some called it demotion, but his past two starts have been some of the best. They, they remind you of Isaiah Campbell and Blaine Knight. So big week this week. We got midweek series with Memphis. They're coming to Fayetteville, and then we go to Duty Noble, which will be a top-five matchup. Mississippi State took uh, – they won the series against LSU this weekend. Christian McLeod, Landon Sims. It's a really good Bulldog squad, and Duty Noble's going to be rocking next weekend. And as I mentioned, you got to feel pretty good right there with Lockhart as your Sunday guy. He's been the Sunday guy since the season started, and they've done a little bit of alternating there with the other starters for the weekend. But Zeb, it seems like he really has gotten comfortable with that Saturday spot. So right there at, at the Friday spot, you know, Peyton, for the most part, has done pretty well this year. But you got to think about that they're probably going to stick with where Lockhart and Zeb are comfortable, and they probably won't fool around with one of those two guys on a Friday, at least as of right now. Yeah, no, it's it's really not good to do that because those guys are where they are right now in the rotation, and you don't want to mess their uh, not pattern, but their their rhythm in the rotation up. So they have a routine that they go through every week where they're going to throw a, a light bullpen. You saw Peyton Paulette throw a light pin today because he only threw forty something pitches on Friday night. So yeah, you probably see them stick to Saturday and Sunday. I think they'll give Peyton another shot on Friday just because it, it could be an anomaly. If he runs into trouble real quick, they'll, they'll have a quick hook for him, but you can see some of the things that, you know, we were talking about earlier in the year that kind of poked its head out and our offense finally got going on Saturday. The El Capitan, as I like to call him, Casey Opitz, he hit real well. He had his first home run of the year, had two more RBIs today. Freshman Caden Wallace was three for four yesterday. He also had a hit today. We only have three three regulars hitting over 300 right now. Casey Opens hit 364. Brady Slavens, who is leading the team in home runs with six and RBIs with 20, is also hitting 317. So we, we got to be a little bit more opportunistic. Robert Moore has fallen off of late. So if it's going to be some really tight ball games this next week, and we need our starting pitching to get us those five or six innings uh, like Lockhart and Vermillion did. Is it too soon, which I, I personally feel it is, I'm just asking from the general public, is it too soon to just completely give up on Nolan even in midweek roles? Where do you think that they put him at after just not really doing so well whenever? I know that he had that pretty good outing. I believe it was against either – was it SEMO or Murray State – that he uh, he came in. so Simo yeah. came in in relief was doing pretty well but outside of that you just haven't seen a whole lot so do you think that they'll stay possibly that we could see him in the midweek rotation there against Memphis but you more than likely won't see him next week against Mississippi State if he didn't get any time against Alabama yeah and I keep asking is something going on is he hurt I keep getting he's fine there's just guys ahead of him because. I want to know just as much as everybody else. I kind of want to figure out if it's really the stuff, if he's not as good as what everybody else is, or is he actually hurt? That that has been a question of mine. But, yeah, I think they'll get him some work this week. It's a prime opportunity to get some of these younger guys, uh, Caden Monk, uh, Evan Taylor, uh, Ryan Costu could get an inning in. I know he threw the other night as well. So it, it's a good spot to get him a start let him go, see how far he can go, and 
see if he can be ready for the back end. I think they would get him three, maybe four innings. That's what they usually do. I know Caleb Bolden, the last time they were in Little Rock, and he got a start, they got him four innings in because they still want him to throw in the back end from the bullpen on the weekend. So, yeah, you could see him come in for three innings, get a start, and then be ready maybe for a Saturday or Sunday uh, roll out of the bullpen. And then I guess we're at that point in the season right now. You saw on Saturday in particular you, they moved – Franklin from the two hole to the five was it the five hole I think it was yep and so they they were at that time now and we talked about matchups as we were mentioning left field as I've asked that question about Webb and and Gregory over the last few weeks really it just comes down to matchups especially since Webb can't really seem I know that he had a couple of uh, decent moments over the weekend I want to say he had like maybe a hit or two which is a big step up considering how much he struggled at the plate throughout this season but right now I guess that that was just really a matchup thing kind of who was pitching was the reason why they've moved Franklin from the two to the five and I imagine that as time goes on now that you're playing tougher competition in SEC on a more consistent basis that we'll probably see stuff like that yeah he he, coach Van Horn wanted to send a message to the team and he had it moved Wallace and Slavens up to three and four and dropped Franklin to five just to see if he could get him going he had a home run Friday night yeah, he had a good weekend. It was a little bit better than uh, what he had played the previous two weekends. I know he he really did well against SEMO, hit home runs in three straight games. But that that's how Coach Van Horn pulls strings and push buttons is to saying, "Hey, if you're not getting it done, you're gonna fall, you're gonna we're gonna drop you down the lineup to see if you can get more comfortable." That's what they did with Caden Wallace early on was having him down in the six or seven spot just to see how he would handle things that first weekend in Arlington. And then they figured out, okay, the kid's got some juice. He's going to be fine. We can go put him where we originally had him slotted, which is in the cleanup spot. Now, it baseball has evolved and changed over the years to where what used to be was you had a really speedy guy, number one, a guy that could really handle the bat, number two, and then number three was your best hitter, number four, your power guy, and five is kind of like two uh, with a little bit more power. Six is your second RBI guy, and then the rest of the lineup. But now a lot of teams have their second, their, their best hitter, number two in the lineup, and then number three is that guy that can really move him along. It's got really good line drive strength, and then four is more of a power guy. So with Robert Moore, he's got to get going. He's only hitting 261 right now. But, yeah, as you talk about left field, Braden Webb did hit some balls really well, but he looked overmatched at times, too. Dylan Smith made the whole lineup look silly for the first couple of innings on Saturday. He had nine strikeouts in five innings before he started leaving the ball up and started getting punished. That Casey, Casey Opitz got us on the board uh, with, with his home run, with him leaving the ball up in the zone on a curveball. So, yeah, we've, we've got to take advantage of situations to where – Zach Gregory or Webb can get better. And they don't have that many chances during the week to get those reps in. Gregory made the start uh, on Friday this week. So they're, they're going to have to figure it out quickly. And it's like you said, it could be matchups. It could be, you know, defense over offense or righty lefty matchup, like you said. And I'm going through this schedule, and you'd mentioned the Memphis series and then Mississippi State especially with all the basketball games now being on Turner Network, you would think that we would get some games on SEC Network for at least the Mississippi State Series. We only have that on Sunday. 
It's going to be on SEC Network Plus Friday and Saturday, and then SEC Network Plus on Tuesday and Wednesday. So you would think that, man, that's that's kind of a shame if you ask me that uh, that we're going to have Arkansas is probably going to drop down to two or three. No, I don't see them dropping any less than three. And uh, I know I guess we got to wait a little bit longer, but still get have to stream it on the at least uh, the first four games of the week. So the two Memphis games and then the first two Mississippi State games, you're going to have to stream before we can actually watch it on SEC Network Sunday. Yeah, and it was it's the same thing they had this weekend. I think right now they're really trying to get everybody one game a series on SEC Network, and then ESPNU will start picking up games. So early on in the season, yeah, you got to stream it, pay the five ninety nine it is to get ESPN Plus or ESPN3 as it used to be called. But yeah – there's going to be a lot of energy around this series next weekend. It's going to set the tone for what is going to happen the rest of the year. We talked about earlier in the season when we were previewing this team that 17 and 13 or 16 and 14 might end up number one in the conference because there's going to be a lot of series where there's not very many sweeps and they're just beating up on everybody. I will say right now, with my vote for the National Collegiate Baseball Riders Association, I'm putting Vanderbilt number one. They have they have a one-two punch that nobody else in America has. I know Florida has Tommy Mace and the, the other guy behind him, but when you have both of those guys have a sub-one ERA, Jack Leiter goes out against South Carolina, has a no-hitter, they win five to nothing. He has 16 punch-outs, and his last fastball registered at 97. That is, that's next level. That's top five top 10 draft pick status right there. So I think Vanderbilt's the number one team in America right now. The Hogs, I would put in that three to four slot. I think that's just where they are right now. If we had, and I told you guys earlier, if they had that dominant Friday night guy like a Blaine Knight or Isaiah Campbell, they would be in the conversation for that elite status to where they're a no doubt number one instead of, well, they're just playing hot right now and they can, get there so it was good they bounced back after losing three in a row to get these last two and get a series win because it's always tough going into that second weekend especially in sec play where you have a lot of ranked teams and you have a lot of dudes out there on other teams if you're if you're one and two or zero oh and three so good that they got a win alabama's ranked in a couple of polls coach brad bohan has done a really good job of flipping his lineup and his pitching staff Connor Prelip, their preseason All-American and All-SEC first-team pitcher, was not available. He won't be available for another couple of weeks. But they, they've got a really good staff. They're not as deep in the bullpen as we are. Not many teams are. But, yeah, they're going to win some series, and they're going to shock some people this year. Well, yeah, and you, I also wanted to go back to Vanderbilt. And when you have a guy like Kumar Rocker there, that's just a that's a great base to start your pitching rotation. Oh, yeah. That kid, man, I'm telling you, I still remember. I tell the story all the time whenever – I was at Houston Nut Camp, uh, my sophomore year of high school, which your dad was uh, one of my coaches that, um, which I've told you many times about that. But at this particular one, that was when Tracy Rocker was still the defensive line coach, and Kumar was about five, six years old, just uh, helping out, picking up balls and picking up dummies. And here he is, five, six years old, pulling dummies around the field like it's nothing. So he was already a, a tank at that time, at, at just a, a young age like that. But uh, as Kevin said, so Memphis – is the series for the midweek, Tuesday and Wednesday, the Tuesday game. Will, both games will be streamed, 
uh, on Tuesday, 3 o'clock, on Wednesday is first pitch, and then as we get into the series with Mississippi State over the weekend, 6.30 evening will be the Friday first pitch, SEC Network Plus, Saturday SEC Network Plus at 2, and then closing it out at 2 o'clock on Sunday on SEC Network. And our final segment, we're going to get into the Hog House Non-Performer of the Week. And Kevin, you mentioned VCU and Oregon. Now, I was going to bring this up because it Something seemed a little bit sketchy to me with this. I know that it was COVID concerns, and there really wasn't really much more said than that other than they probably would have at least had five or six players to dress. Now, I know that that's not really a healthy way to play, but if I'm VCU, I'm 100% going to play that game if I have the amount, whether it is the amount that you must have or a plus one or plus two. I'm definitely going to be doing it because that's the last time that I have a chance to prove myself. And based on a statement from the NCAA Division I Men's Basketball Committee, they declared Saturday's matchup between 10-seed VCU and 7-seed Oregon out of the West region a no contest due to COVID concerns within the VCU basketball program. A source told CBS's Matt Norlander that positive tests surfaced within the VCU program on Wednesday evening, Friday evening, and Saturday morning. Now, These positive tests prompted health officials in Indiana and the NCAA to decide allowing VCU to move forward with playing, whether it was too risky. And basically, then even even though that they had said, the NCAA had said that they could complete with just five players, officials determined that this case basically just looked like it's spreading. Like they just came out and said, well, it looks like it's spreading, but we don't know that. So it kind of just seems like to me that they just really didn't want to go forward with this, talking about the NCAA. Are we really shocked uh, that this is the decision that they came to? But I just really feel like uh, – so the NCAA every single week gets our non-performer of the week in one way or another. But I just really kind of feel like that VCU got the crap end of the stick here. No doubt. And like you said, I'm not surprised the NCAA did this because they could be on our on our show every week talking about this. And VCU, you had over 9,000, 10,000 tests come out and only nine positive cases. So that was everybody getting to Indianapolis. Now you got somebody that only has five or six guys. What the NCAA does, they do with everything else. They throw it under the rug, say no comment, and we're on to the next one. Just like every investigation that they do, every infraction case that comes up, it takes two or three years to get done. But with this one, they were like, oh, we don't want any anything else to happen. So we're just going to say no contest and move on to the next one. Yeah, and then, shame on you, NCAA. Yeah, and on top of that, man, the whole thing with the with what they did to the women on that weight, the little weight oh, system. There, goodness gracious, that was just absolutely atrocious too. But you know what? They come out, they they apologize, so it's all yeah. right in the world, right? Oh, these uh, guys, they're a joke. Yeah, just because they apologize. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just unbelievable, unbelievable. Well. I think that'll just about do it. We kept this one under an hour, so uh, this was one of our short, our shortest show in quite some time. But man, I, again, it's just a fabulous time to be a Razorback. We're not quite on the level that we were when we just continuously talked about and kept pumping up how amazing this athletic program was doing. We're not winning every single game every single weekend now, but we're winning most of them, which is all you can ask for. Because, like we say, Kevin, it's not about winning every single game; it's about winning every single series. And so that's right. And, and kudos to the softball team, yes. real quick. They 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 are winning every single game in the SEC. They're six and zero. Swept Ole Miss this weekend. Courtney Diffel has those girls 
playing at the highest level they've ever played in that program. So a shout-out to the softball team for a great series win this weekend. Yeah, Coach Diefel has just done phenomenal things. Her and the, the things that her and Coach Neighbors have done with the women's basketball and the softball team just brought it from the bottom of the SEC to upwards of the top. Now, I know the women's basketball team, they were like fifth, sixth range where they finished, but considering the way that they're recruiting, the way that they're making the progress that they have and and just softball, I think that they're second in the NCAA in home runs. So I've just been yep, behind Oklahoma. Yeah, and so cannot say enough, man. It's just uh, it's a great time, and hopefully next weekend we'll be saying the same thing. But, well, that will do it for episode number 177 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Again, guys, if you haven't already, please be sure subscribe wherever you listen. You can find us on any podcast forum. But other than that, We will see you on Friday. For Kevin Bohannon, my name is Kyle Sutherland. We'll catch you next time. Woo pig. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.